So this week, I've got a bonus episode of Memphis Type History to podcast for you. This little story didn't fit in the regular episode, and it was just too good to leave in our blooper reel, which we share at patreon.com slash Memphis Type History for our patrons. So here you go. Hope you enjoy. This is supposed to be a bonus episode, so it needs to be short, so we should probably get into it. All right, let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> all right. So this week on the regular podcast, you told us all about fallout shelters in Memphis, specifically the most awesome one. That's correct. I thought for a bonus episode, I could tell you about fallout shelters in Shanghai. Oh, let's hear it. I want to hear how it's different. Then, as a bonus for the bonus here, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about fallout shelters in Beijing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, much like Memphis, except I think in greater quantity, there are thousands of bomb shelters under Shanghai from the Cold War era. Supposedly, it's 700,000 square meters in total for those thousands of shelters. My goodness. So, I first found out about the bomb shelters when a news article came out, like, in the fall, I think, about this big artificial hill in one of the parks in town. And it turns out that that hill underneath was actually an old bomb shelter. They created a a, a fake hill? Yeah, which is kind of common. Like, yeah. in some of the parks, they'll have fake hills so that you can, like... Roll down? Walk up and down, contemplate, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So this was one. But then they found out underneath it was one of those shelters that was probably built in the 60s and 70s, which was sort of the heyday of building these bomb shelters, because that was when Mao told everyone to, quote, dig deep and store grain. Really, they were defenses against air raids or like foreign invaders or whatever. Hmm. This shelter under that artificial hill in the park uh, used to have an exit and an entrance and 1,600 meters like in between them. So pretty big. Yeah. And there, when they went down there to look at it, they found rusty pillars and damaged concrete were holding it up. So I'm going to put a picture of it uh, on this new page that we're making, memphishypehistory.com slash bonus, which will be like all the bonus episodes. I'll put a picture of this thing on there because you can see where the hill was like blocked off because they wanted to fill it up with foam concrete to keep it from caving in. Yeah. I found a cool quote, though, from that first engineer who went in to like see what the deterioration was, I guess, to figure out what to do. And he reported that it had toxic gases, including hydrogen sulfide and marsh gas, have accumulated in the sealed space with many insects living inside. Oh. So it doesn't sound like super cool, actually. Yeah, no. <laughs> But I am curious if, upon first glance at this hill, would you suspect that it was man-made or it looks completely natural? This one I don't know because in the picture it only showed like a corner of it. Okay. Because they were trying to show how it was blocked off. Mm -hmm. But I've been to another park with an artificial hill and I would say it's pretty well done. Yeah. But you know it's not real because we don't really have hills here. Uh, But other than that, like... But it was well done. Like this hill at the park I'm thinking of was. And it doesn't look like a little hobbit house or anything. No cute. No, no, no. no. cute door or anything. No, no, no. It has like grass and stuff. Yeah. So did the hobbit's home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hot. Well, that's true. But no doors. Just, <laughs> no cute doors. Just pathways. Gazebo on top or whatever. Oh, 
Interesting. So this shelter was one of 582 abandoned underground worlds in the Huangpu district. That's where this one was found. In my district, Shuhui, there's about 2,000, they think. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. So apparently just like this one that was found in the park, the government plans to fill most of them up. But I did find an article that was a little bit old that said they wanted to reuse better ones for restaurants and wine caves and things like that. There's a history of some of the shelters being converted into things. Like there was one that was a men's underwear store located beside (laughs) an underground gay bar. (laughs) So privacy was key. That is some good use. Yeah. There's another one that uh, operated for many years, or several years, I guess, as uh, an alternative dance club called The Shelter, and it was real popular. (laughs) The Shelter. Yeah. Before it became The Shelter, though, it had been a vegetable market, an ice storage facility, a massage parlor, (laughs) and a public bathhouse. And they're getting some good use out of the shelter. Yeah. We need to take some tips from these people. Oh, what else? I can tell you a little bit about the the shelter, the club, though. And I'm going to post some links to a couple articles about the shelter uh, because the pictures are really super cool. And I think you should go look at them because you had to walk down this really long, dark tunnel to get into the club. And it really, like, embraced its pedigree as a bomb shelter because they used to have these pitch dark parties where they would turn off all the lights, turn off the Wi-Fi, and just had music playing. (laughs) It was underground, so it's pitch black dark. Yeah, fun times. (laughs) So definitely go look. Yeah, definitely go look at that. It's closed now, so you have to go look at the pictures. So those are, like, old bomb shelters, If you've already listened to the regular episode for this week, you heard me mention uh, some like flyer distribution and such things indicating where the current bomb shelter is. And I found a report in 2006 that says Shanghai has new bomb shelters that could hold 200,000 people for 7 to 15 days if nuclear war broke out. What? Yes. This is a city of like 30 million though. So, But that's a lot of people in one place. Is a lot of people. So apparently this one from 2006 about the new bomb shelter. And there, I guess it's, this is 2006, so there must be more new ones now. I just couldn't find anything current. Um, this one was 90,000 square meters with 15 passages that were about 4,000 meters total. And those passages link that underground space up to the office towers and like apartment buildings and stuff that are above it. So it makes me want to go look around my the bottom story of my apartment building, see if there's some stairs going down. <laughs> Go for it. All right. So I said I'd tell you a little bit about Shanghai, but as a bonus, I also want to tell you about Beijing. Okay. Because this is some really interesting. It can't be more crazy than that. No, it is. What? That's why I want to talk about it. What? So this is very fascinating. And unfortunately, I couldn't find like a ton about it, but I do. I did find a little bit about it. Under Beijing is a huge network of Cold War shelters, and it's called the Underground City. A whole city? Yeah. This is like Bang. Yeah. So yeah, wait for it. So back when they were built, 300,000 citizens built it, and some of these tunnels were constructed without any machinery. What? What? Yeah. Wait, what? 300,000 people made them. And some of the tunnels were made by hand. Okay, this is a natural wonder. Can people go see it? Uh, used to, not anymore. Okay. When it was built, at you know, at the time it was built, the government said that all six million citizens could live in the ton- in the underground city, you know, if need be, 
And it had inside factories, stores, health clinics, and there's even a roller skating rink. Oh, that's a real city. Yeah. There are some rumors that every residence had a trapdoor leading down into it and that all major landmarks and government buildings were also connected to it. Wait, wait, wait. I don't know if that's true. So, like, they're saying... In your house, if you're on the bottom floor, you had a trap door. So you could just walk down yeah. into the underground city. Yeah. Rumor had it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. This is like, okay, actually, this is like Little Monsters. I haven't seen that. But like your trap door was under your bed and there was this whole village oh. of monsters. But Wait, are you talking about Monsters, Inc.? No. This was way before. This oh. was Fred Savage days. This was oh. before your time. Well, in Monsters, Inc., that happened too. Yeah, the doors. Right? But this was actually under your bed. It was like. You go under the bed, and the door was under there. Anyway, sorry, tangent. Well, to get into this one, you either went into your room or trap door, or you could go through an entrance. There were lots of entrances around the stores um, around Tiananmen, uh, which is the gate on the south side of Tiananmen Square in the city center. Most are blocked up now, but rumor has it a few of them are still open if you know where to look and to get it. But I think they're mostly guarded. In 2000, they did open it up to let foreign tourists go through and see parts of it, you know, guided. But they closed it for renovations in 2008. I don't think it's been opened back up. I didn't see it. It's undergoing renovations? I've never seen it as something to do. Yeah. Okay. But I wonder, I mean, maybe it's being renovated. Maybe they just wanted to close them. Like, not have tourists go in anymore, I don't know. Oh, how sad. I hope they're keeping up with it. Well, I'm posting a National Geographic article. National Geographic, huh? (laughs) Hey, yeah. Uh, With some amazing photos (laughs) of of the people who live in the underground city. Wouldn't you want to own one of those magazines? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this one. The pictures are pretty intriguing. Yeah. In the 80s, the Defense Department began to lease out these bunkers to private parties, and then the private parties converted them so that they could be used for residential purposes, so people could live in them. So they became landlords, basically, of these bunkers. They are not nice, like the one that we talked about in the main episode this week. Uh, These are very small, very basic places to live. So like in 2010, the government tried to get people out of them. But a lot of the residents are migrant workers from the countryside who came for a better life. They don't really have anywhere else to go because housing is really expensive. Beijing is one of the most expensive cities in the world for housing. So they're still there. They remain pretty poor usually. And so, yeah, they just kind of don't have anywhere else to go. Mm. In the bomb shelters at the time of this article, this National Geographic article I'm posting, it would be about $40 a month to have a small space. And if you shared, and these small spaces, I think, are actually smaller than the government's official like minimum size requirement for someone's living space. Hmm. You could share a dorm, share like in a dorm room yeah. uh, with up to 10 people or so for $20 a month. Wow. Like I said, they're not nice. It's really stuffy. Sanitation can be a problem. And there's a picture on the link I'm going to post of one family's home. And the photographer who saw it said it was only big enough to fit in one bed. And there were four people living in there. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And like I said, there are like community areas in the underground city and those are still used. So I found a photo of an underground karaoke bar, an activity center. There's a pool room, a barbershop, a calligraphy classroom, and even like a big dining hall. And at the time of that article, 
February 2017 National Geographic, it said there were like a million people living down there. That is insane. Yeah. So that's my bonus episode. (laughs) Hey. It's crazy. So people did live in there? Yeah, they still do. They do. You know, it's they can live cheaply, save their money, yeah, and it's maybe their best option. And but it's kind of interesting because this photographer had to work really hard to get access because if you don't know how to get in there, you can't just go in. And then if you don't belong there, I think it's really hard to get any kind of access to anybody. Yeah, it said something about like a lot of people didn't want to be photographed because their families thought maybe they had a better life than they do, so they don't want mm. it to be shown. Wow, it's very interesting. So there's a China Connection bonus episode for everybody. And uh, if you haven't listened to the main episode we keep referencing, it is called Fallout Shelters. So go download it. The episode where Caitlin bashes National Geographic. Yeah. (laughs) But then redeems it by quoting it. (laughs) Yeah, see, it's all full circle. It's fine. I'm just saying I don't want a room... Of National Geographic magazines in my life. That's all. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> okay. Um, tell us what you think about National Geographic magazine collections <laughs> at uh, Facebook slash Facebook.com slash Memphis Type History or Twitter at Memphis Type or Instagram at Memphis Type History. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an email, Memphis Type History at gmail.com. We have a comment section for this bonus episode at Memphis Type History.com slash bonus. So, Tell us what you think about National Geographic collections. Uh, tell us if you've ever been in a fallout shelter and what it was like. Or if it's ever been one of your childhood dreams to build one. Yeah, tell us about that. We don't care about your other childhood dreams. Only <laughs> Just if only one. if that's the one. <laughs> don't bombard us with your dreams. <laughs> well, this one's supposed to be short, so we should go. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Bye.